Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Man United podcast. This is the informal off-script podcast with Seb Parkinson and Sam Hutchison. Sam is sat opposite me in a dark green sort of... What, what is it? A corduroy shirt. Corduroy shirt. It. It's very nice. I, I like it. You've got a button missing. I haven't. It's just not, under, not done up. It's not got my headphones right. in it. Well... Right. I had had an agreement with Sam today where it's now, we're recording this, it's 11.32 in the morning on a Thursday and uh, Sam texted me last night and said, oh, are we recording the the pod in the studio today, tomorrow, as it is? And I said, yeah, of course, Uh, why don't you get in for 10 to 10.30? And it gets to quarter past 11 and I'm like, Sam, where are you? He says, oh, I don't start till 11. I said, all right, I thought you were coming in for 10 to 10.30, as I said on WhatsApp yesterday. He said, oh, yeah, oh, well. Anyway, here we are, a bit later than a bit later than planned. But uh, Sam, it's been it's been a week since I've seen you. You know, I know we speak sort of generally on WhatsApp, but it's always nice to see you. Um, what have you been up to? I mean, I had a nice chilled weekend because it'll be my last weekend off for a while. Uh, Got the violin out. Games, I know, covering games again. Premier League starts again, and so I just had a nice chilled out weekend. Did some chores. Did me shopping for the week. That was it, really. Nothing Sam, how interesting. how old are you? I am 23. You're 23. <laughs> and that is what you did at a weekend. Yeah. Why are you not going out, partying, clubbing? I mean, I know the weather's been horrific. It's been the wettest cost July. Of, cost of living crisis. Cost of living crisis. Well, I suppose that's true. <laughs> so, God, so you went to the gym. I asked him this. I said to Sam before we started recording, what did you do a weekend? He just went, I just went to the gym. I was like... Oh, and that's the end of the Manchester's Red Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but, you know, you've had two days off as well. Yeah. It's now Thursday. It's, yeah. You know, we, we spoke on Monday. What did you do uh, Tuesday, Wednesday? Not much at all, really. Went to the gym again. I know, really boring. What a boring man. I know, so boring. It's, it really is boring, but hopefully next week I'll come back with a really interesting story for you. Do something interesting. On mm. Saturday, Sam and I are going to be outside Old Trafford with a little camera and a little microphone and we're going to try and speak to some of the fans that are going to Old Trafford for their very first time yeah. this season. So it's, it's probably going to throw it down. It is Manchester oh, after all. But me and Sam are going to be in hotel football. We're going to get some food, get a burger each, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, we're going to go and speak to some fans. So if you are at Old Trafford, Come and find us. Um, I mean, you don't know what we look like unless you followed us on Twitter. So, you know, if you, if you see two guys, with one with a, uh, an iPhone with a microphone on it and one guy asking questions looking awkward, then that'll be me and Sam. <laughs> anyway, Sam, look, we're, we're a few minutes into the pod and we've not mentioned the word Manchester United other than no. just then, I don't think. So um, let's get into it, right? We're going to talk today about 
Manchester United. The stuff that we're going to talk about is the transfer news, the latest transfer stuff, the latest on the takeover. We're going to review preseason. And we're also going to talk about the, we're going to preview, we're going to preview the, the Lens game that we're going to be at on uh, on Saturday. Marcus Rashford has uh, done an interview with Gary Neville. That was released this morning as we're recording. But before we get into all that, Sam, uh, United played three games out in America, or four games out in America. So they lost three of the four, the Wrexham game. Do we really count it? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, we don't count no. it. No. But anyway, on paper, United lost three out of four, Sam. Just give me your review. You, you've 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 spent a bit of time. You've watched those games back. You know we 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 had the Dortmund game in in Las Vegas on the same day. I think that Spence and Crawford fought in the boxing. Uh, what an absolute blockbuster event that was, by the way. But uh, yeah, I mean the real the real top dogs were in town in Manchester United. So Sam. Eric Ten Hag put out a very changed starting eleven for that game. You saw Maguire and Lindelof pairing up at centre back, something that we don't think we we didn't think we'd ever going to see again, to be honest with you. And some of the a lot of United fans will have hoped that they never saw again. Yeah, I get PTSD from yeah. uh, from from seeing them two at the back together, and especially with what Ten Hag's been his philosophy is and what he's been bringing to the club. To see them two at the back, it only says one thing to me, which is shop window, come and buy our players, see how good they are. But from the games that you've seen, I'm going to give you five minutes of uninterrupted dialogue now, Sam, where I won't go on a tangent and I won't interrupt you. Review United preseason tour in America and exactly what we thought of it. I mean, in general, fine. It doesn't really matter. It's preseason. The the most important part of preseason is getting minutes into people's legs and putting people in the shop window and sort of just not the results don't really matter or or change opinions on players don't really change opinions on how the team's playing get the new signings bedded in which obviously this season's completely different to last season Man United actually have some new signings to bed in on this pre-season tour rather than last season where they didn't have anybody I don't think I don't think anybody made the flight out it was Martinez Anthony and Ericsson all signed whilst the tour was going on or did Anthony not sign because the tour was going on I can't remember anyway. That was all. That was all. They, none of them flew out. Um, so I think all in all, the results are not positive. I mean, the, none of them are great. Losing to Wrexham, even your second string under 21s shouldn't really be losing to Wrexham, which is the only real issue. But the star people of those under 21 sides are playing with a senior team now. So... I think all in all, a nice little trip out, bit of warm weather training. Obviously, it's been boiling over in America whilst United have been there. I mean, Samuel Lucas and Tyrone Marshall have both been out there for the Manchester Evening News, and I think they've both been sweating buckets whilst they've been out there. But all in all, it's not a massive drawback that Man United went to America, didn't really show anything really positive. I mean, Real Madrid, I was looking at Real Madrid's squad before Man United played Real Madrid and their squad is absolutely immense apart from they haven't got a striker, which is very similar to sort of Man United at the minute. Um, but Real Madrid's just, that game, you, it's one of those that's just always, the odds are stacked against you in any game against Real Madrid. They're one of these sides that can win every single game they play and it doesn't, it's not really a massive issue um, Maguire and Lindelof, like you just alluded to there, 
I think Maguire probably is in the shop window now. But will he go? I'm not really sure. He said he wants to fight for his place. And Lindelof, I think, is probably third choice centre-half. Can fill in at left centre-back and at right centre-back, fill in for Varane or Martinez. And that's really what Eric Ten Hag wants in his centre-half. Maguire, I don't think, can do that. He probably thinks he can, but I'm not sure he could anymore in sort of the system that he wants to play, especially with Onana now behind him. He hasn't got the sort of awareness. He's never really been brought up through playing football to play to back to his goalkeeper. He's never really had that ball-playing goalkeeper, which he's now got in Onana. And, I mean, Onana might be the biggest positive of the preseason tour. Joined halfway through and has anyone got any complaints? I mean, some of his passing and some of his, some of his saves are always going to be great. He's a £50 million goalkeeper. But some of his passing is just out of this world. It's like Pirlo, but with gloves on. It's fantastic. But what do you think, Seb? I don't... Well, we've just lost Nathan just lost Nathan Bishop. We've not lost Nathan Bishop. Nathan Bishop has just joined Sunderland on a permanent deal. Now, the last time we were in here, I don't know if we said it on the recording or if we 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 discussed it off off air that Sam actually told me that United have just agreed to sell Nathan Bishop to Sunderland. For others for those of you that don't know, Sam is a Sunderland fan and he works as our Manchester United reporter excellently. So Sam likes to uh to tell me all the news about Sunderland when I am have absolutely no interest whatsoever. <laughs> Big Ahmad Diallo fanboy me. Yeah, so what was great about Sam being a Sunderland fan was that last year when we when Diallo was on loan there, Sam was feeding information back left, right and centre about Ahmad Diallo's performances. And he, he you know, they must have got back to Ten Hag because uh he's come back to United despite the sort of injury he's got. Uh, you know, it looks like he's, his future is bright and his future is going to be at Manchester United. Uh, personally, yeah, I mean, in a way, I think losing games on preseason is the best thing to do. Like, because preseason is all about getting your fitness, finding your tactics and everything else. If you go out there and steamroller every team that you play, you're not learning anything. It's like, I referred to the boxing earlier. If you if you're a if you're a heavyweight boxer and you're a young prospect and you're a you know a three and zero or whatever and you're fighting some uh, a journeyman and by the way if you're into your boxing journeymen are the the biggest sort of part of boxing like boxing is nothing without a journeyman. But if you're fighting a journeyman and you knock him out after twenty seconds of the first round, what have you? Like, you've been in camp for however long. You've gone in there and you've you've knocked him out after you know no time at all. Like all that training and everything that you've done. It's not. It doesn't count for anything. And I think if you go out to preseason, you you steamroller a team four five nil. You know what was it twenty seven nil that Bayern Munich beat that local team. Th- they don't learn anything from that game. They just it's you know because the the competition's just not really there now. Unless you've been training for six or seven weeks and you're going into that preseason game with the intensity of a full match, a full match, then maybe there's a bit more to it there but United beating Arsenal 2-0 first preseason game for both teams yeah good performance both teams would have been at a similar level in terms of fitness and and, and readiness for the season both have had new signings that um that that were on show you know i think uh, sorry it was the United third game of preseason but first on the american tour um Mason Mount was was there you know he's bedding in and we had Tom Heaton in goal at the time because we hadn't signed Anana so they can't really implement the full tactical like show that Eric Ten Hag wants to do because he hasn't he hasn't fully got the, the pieces to the puzzle that he wants and at the time he obviously still worked a striker so you've got Jadon Sancho playing up front either as a striker or as a false nine or whatever unless he is being bedded in as the backup striker because Rashford wants to stay on the left then 
that again, you can't really learn much from that. You can learn as a fan that yes, he can play there, but is he effective? And is if he's not going to play there longer term, what what's the point? Well, yeah, I mean, that's really what preseason's been used for by Eric Tenag this season is getting these tactical changes in before the season starts. He doesn't want to make Sancho into this false nine whilst Premier League games are going on. That's not going to work because if Sancho can't work as a false nine, you just end up playing without a striker for a game. And I do think Man United's squad actually quite suits a false nine, which sort of with the two sort of 10 slash eights that in Bruno Fernandes and Mason Mount and with two wingers who are quite pacey. I mean, we just don't see it enough from Anthony, but he has actually got a turn of pace. You might not know it, Manchester United fans, but he is actually quite fast. It's just sometimes he decides to do a little spin down by the corner flag rather than run. But anyway, I do think United's system suits the false nine and I think we're going to get onto Hoyland later. He won't play as a false nine, but he plays very similar to how sort of Sancho's not not really this is going to come across this might come across wrong Sancho's been playing as sort of playing through Sancho rather than playing to him as like a, a number nine where which is sort of what the false nine would do so Sancho's been receiving the ball and then finding someone else running on or making a run past him and Hoyland's not going to do just that he will do a lot more but he does actually do that really well I mean, looking at his stats, that's what he does really well. So that might be more getting everyone playing through the striker. Even if it's not Sancho's going to be the false nine, Sancho can do a job there pre-season and that's how Man United are going to play this season. Maybe that's what Eric Ten Hag's looking for. He's a real enigma though, Sancho, because he came to United, what was it, 85 million or 75, whatever it was, it's a massive fee. He was 21, you know, young player. He'd lit up the the world at Dortmund and United were getting his play and thinking, finally, we've got this right winger that we've just needed for so long um, to, to come in. We've got Rashford on the left, we can get Sancho on the right. And... He just didn't do it. He's just not, he hasn't done it. He's been so, and yet, you know, he's had different managers. He's had Solskjaer, he's had Rangnick, and now he's got Ten Hag. Three different managers with three different styles of play. Rangnick, I mean, can you really say he's got a style of play? He was an interim for what, six months, didn't really didn't really do anything and just sort of made us worse. We, the new manager bounce we thought we were going to get just didn't happen. United just looked awful, but we know there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So well, I, think, I think you need to be a manager to get the new manager bounce rather than just a director of football in in the yeah, dugout I mean what a bizarre I mean that is a complete different subject to talk about what a bizarre event that happened at Man United I mean I, I remember watching it just thinking like Ralph Rangnick's come in he hasn't managed a team for however long he's been at, he's been over in Russia and it's just like why like Manchester United for goodness sake it's well, not it's not like we're Norwich and we're just getting somebody in it's Manchester as Gary Neville this is Manchester United exactly but the, the problem with Rangnick was he was a director of football who was brought in to be above a manager and then, obviously, Man United decided, oh, yeah, we want Ten Hag. He's not going to be happy under someone else calling all the shots. Ranjik was going to be in charge of transfers, not really in charge of tactics or getting the team to play how Man United should be playing. I mean, if you've ever been to Old Trafford, you know there's a Man United style of play, which I think Eric Ten Hag's replicated, but that's not how Ranjik ever played. And he brought his own tactical ideas, which... Work on paper. He's very football manager, manager, I think. He's very, he'll look at a player, look at the stats, think, oh yeah, he looks good. Buy him. And that works for a team like 
Red Bull Leipzig or Red Bull Salzburg, where he has history of doing that, because there's not really that history, that pressure, that sort of expectation of joining such a massive club as Manchester United, that when you're, when you're doing it at Leipzig, you can go and sign some random bloke from some random corner of the earth. Third and division of the Austrian exactly. League. And, and, it, yeah. and if it works, brilliant. You've got a £20 million midfielder. If it doesn't work, okay, it's a Leipzig failure, whatever, write it off. And there's, no, there's no media scrutiny on the players. But Ranić's time was just completely strange. And if he had stayed on, I think it probably would have been positive. But he hasn't. And what's the point in doing it in the first place? Why not just get an interim in? That was basically what he is. He was a very well-paid interim coach. Yeah, and do you know what? Looking back on the season that we've had, I don't think Rangnick being there would have made it better. I, I genuinely don't. Ten Hag's no, come in. Not with Ten Hag there now. No, he came in and he, he basically threw his weight around and said, I'm the boss. Like it or lump it. And you saw what happened with, you know, big egos with Cristiano Ronaldo. He didn't like it. He was benched. He left at halftime during that friendly at Old Trafford, sort of a year ago to the day nearly. And, you know, in in the face of the media, it was all positive. But behind the scenes, you knew. And then when Ronaldo did that interview, we don't need to go into that, but we all know what happened there. But the way Ten Hag has managed it, and coming back to what we were talking about with Sancho, is he showed flashes of what he is capable of doing, but he just hasn't done enough. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, if United announced that Sancho was going, I don't care where he, if he went to City, I wouldn't be offended. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, we're selling him to City. I'd be like, do you know what? Ten Hag has made so many good decisions over the over the last season. I, I don't mind seeing him go. He hasn't done anything for me to make me go, do you know what? I wish we'd have kept Sancho. He might go to another club. If, you know, United are probably not going to sell him, let's be honest. But if he did go, I genuinely wouldn't miss him, but, but I do want to see him succeed. And that's the thing is like, you know, if, if he's not going to play as many, as many games as he probably wants to, he's still in, what is he, 22, 23 now? He's still, he's still a young player, isn't he? He's the same age as, as Haaland, isn't he? So he's still a young player. He's got a lot to give, but he's been around for five years. So he's, it feels like he's older than he is. So we still have to allow him that time to develop. But when you come to a club like Manchester United, the expectation is there from the fans, the expectation is there from the media, the expectation is there from the manager. You can't really have time to bed in. And Sancho has had now, what, two, 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 two seasons or something to bed in? Two seasons. Uh, is it two full seasons or is it I think it's three. Two, maybe three. Is this the start of his first? Honestly, the last few years has been such a blurry COVID that I actually don't know. The only thing I can remember is Fernandez joined during COVID yeah. and he played. All the seasons have blurred into one, haven't they? Just everything. But because we work in sport, there is like, what was it? The break between the end of last season and the start of this season was about four weeks or something because we then had to start preparing for stuff. So... You know, if if you're listening to this and my stats and information it sounds awry, that's because it is. Because I just I just cannot fathom between seasons. Like people talk about next season and this season. It's like, well, at what point does it become this season, or is it still next season? So you know, um, just allow us allow us that uh, allow us that bit of a bit, a bit of, of leniency. Grace, a bit yeah. of leniency. This is off script as well. So yeah. again, we're allowed to not be uh, too prim and proper. But uh, yeah, just just reflecting on the end of end of preseason. Obviously, we've got that we had the game against Leeds. We had the game against Leo, was it or Leon? Uh, what, Leon, it was Leon. Yeah, up in Edinburgh. You know, two good games yet, two good wins. You know, kids played them, didn't they? So again, we don't really take much from it. I think the biggest positive was Johnny Evans. I mean, he he, he didn't play great against Real Madrid or but... Wrexham. <laughs> or Wrexham. <laughs> but do you know what? Having a player of that stature and that caliber as a backup. 
I'm happy. That's that's good progress. That is what you want to see. You want, especially if Maguire is, is on the way out. You do still need. Yeah, you do though, still need that backup. You, well, but then is he? Is it worth even signing him because he's not going to play? Yeah, but of course it's worth signing him because United are going to be playing another 60-game season. So, you know, you want as much rotation as you can. If United are playing two or three games a week, if United go deep into the uh, FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League, like, like, we, like we as fans expect them to, United need that squad. Look at City. Look, at, they've got two starting 11s. And you don't hear, they might have stuff going on in the background, but you don't hear it in the media. So have players like Johnny Evans who've been there, they've won it, they've, they've done everything in the game. You know, to, to come in and go, do you know what? I, I don't mind being the sixth choice centre half. And if I'm actually any good and I prove that I can do it, I'll become the fifth choice centre half. And, and, and he's sort of battling then. And then you've got Maguire looking over his shoulder going, wait a minute, this guy's a Premier League winner. He's come in. He is now competition as well. So then that might, you know, if he's got if he's got as much about him that he that he comes that he suggests he has and that we hope he has. He will want to work with Johnny Evans to get better and learn off him and become a better player overall. Johnny Evans is, you know, he's what, 35, Harry Maguire's what, 30, 31. So he's still got, they've still, both of them have got time in their legs. Um, but, you know, you'll see whether if Maguire wants to go and he wants to play first team every game, you know, West Ham bid £20 million for him. United rejected it, understandably. But, yeah, um, I mean, that's a lot of money to write off. In it, and twenty. If you'd selling him for twenty million and bought him for eighty-five, three years ago, four years no, ago, five now? years ago, is it, is it five is years ago now? Contract now. Is it, I think I don't know, but amortization would would see that right anyway. So we don't need to worry about it. <laughs> every every week we mention amortization. Just <laughs> because if you can't think of an answer, amortization. Yeah. If if a player if a player is going to lose your club money, amortization. Fine, it's written off. The the guys behind the scenes they haven't just given you eighty million quid and gone. There you go. They've they've written it off over five or six years or whatever. Like a briefcase full of cash. <laughs> yeah, like you picture it in a in a in like a, a gangster yeah, a gangster yeah. series on TV. You just just take this and leave. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but yeah. So United have got um is it Lons on Saturday at Old Trafford, twelve forty five kickoff. So we're gonna we're gonna do a sort of preview for that later on. But um yeah, I mean overall preseason, what you've seen so far. I, I, again, like what I was saying before is I don't mind us losing. You know, as long as you don't get trounced, like losing three two to Dortmund, conceding in the eighty ninth minute when the players are at half three quarter fitness. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. And a pretty strong Dortmund side. Yeah. Against a pretty rotated Man United rotated side, it doesn't. Yeah, start, but the results aren't what's important. It's exactly seeing how the development. It's, it's everything below that yeah. that's important, and it's Onana starting playing out from the back. I think was it that Maguire got a bollock in for for Onana passed the ball to him, and he Lindelof, Lindelof tried Lindelof. to pass it straight forward where he should have just gone back or to Williams. And then Williams, yeah, and they had a massive route. Oh, that was Heaton though, wasn't it? That wasn't Anana, that was Heaton in the first half. So they had a big route, didn't they? That was Lindelof not being quite comfortable playing out from the back. Maguire got a bollock in from Onana. It must have been the second half. That was because he lost his man or... Did he let a man get past him or something? I can't remember, Sam, and I'm showing the fact that I haven't studied the game as much as I probably should have done in this, but I, I just know that he got a ball It was at 2am. I mean, it's perfectly understandable yeah. if you... I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old who's just off. Drifting off like that. Oh, yeah. oh, no, I need to watch this game. Yeah, yeah, Sam, you were rotted on for that game, weren't you? <laughs> I was. <laughs> You're just admitting to me that you were falling asleep whilst you were at work. How dare you? No, but seriously, you know, if, you, if any of you have listened to this have got kids... I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old. The six-year-old's on the six-week holidays from school. So whilst we work from home most of the time, I mean, you, you've got no experience this, Sam. I mean, if you decide to have children, then, you know, God rest your soul. Um, 
I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and the six-year-old sees daddy at home working. Daddy, why are you at work? Why are you at work? I was like, well, do you know this house that you're living in? This is paying for it, so you need to let me get on with my job. But daddy, can we do this? Can we do that? So to actually try and study football at the same time and and do that, I mean, it, it's impossible. Anybody who's got kids listening to this who's got of similar ages will will be able to nod their head and say, yeah, do you know what, mate? I get you. I get it. It's hard. Being a parent is hard. It's hard work. You are allowed to slag your children off privately to other parents when you need to. Privately or on the internet to 10,000 people on the Manchester United podcast. <laughs> yeah, as this is tangent, Sam. It's a tangent. It is the off-script tangent podcast. So, listen, parents out there listening to this of similar ages to my kids, we know it's hard. You can let off steam now and again. We were at a soft play centre uh, yesterday afternoon after I finished work and we had other parents from school there and they were just saying to us, like, I've not been a shouty parent, but all of a sudden I feel all I'm doing is shouting. It's like, yeah, but they're six now. They're at the age now where they're starting to understand. You know, you say to that kid, five minutes time out, they know what five minutes is. You can't just make up five minutes as be an hour. Oh, I'm going to spend five minutes with you when you can spend two minutes because you've got stuff, other stuff to do or whatever. And that makes you sound like a terrible parent. But honestly, when you get to that stage, it is so, it is so, your brain just does not work. You know, you're not having an iPad because you're going to play games, you're going to do this. Five minutes later, that kid's got the iPad because I, I need to, I need to, I just need to switch my brain off. Yeah, I need to focus or whatever. Anyway, we're going to bring part one to an end. Um, from the Offscript podcast. Coming up in part two, we're going to talk about the transfer of Rasmus Hoyland to Manchester United. Sam is all clued up on what the Dane is going to bring to Old Trafford. And, uh, well, see you in a minute. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Manchester's Red Midweek Man United off-script podcast with Seb Parkinson and Sam Hutchison. In part one, we talked about the preseason tour and what it's like having kids. Sam's looking at me with a very confused face because he's like, oh dear, is that why I've got to come if I decide to have children? Sam's missus, if you're listening, sorry (laughs) (laughs) if I've put him off. But uh, Sam will make a great father, I can tell you that for now. Anyway, in part two, we're going to talk about Rosmus Hoyland. At the time of recording, it hasn't been officially confirmed, but we know that it's all been done. I mean, he's in Manchester and he's not here for a holiday. He's not here to get the culinary expertise of Manchester. Nobody's going to drive all... Carrington as well. I mean, Carrington is not exactly a holiday destination. I've been there a lot of times. I've got a friend who lives in in, in Partington next to Carrington, and I'm telling you, it's not a holiday destination. Lovely part of Manchester or of Greater Manchester, but it, it is most definitely not somewhere you go on holiday. Especially Remember that time that we went and there, someone drove their car into the ditch yeah. on, the, on either side of the road down to Carrington? Yeah, I mean, that, was... that could have been me, mm. but it wasn't. Or it could have been Ireland. Could have been. But luckily it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Could have been a play. It was like, no, don't take me back, no. But um, yeah, that, that was funny actually because the security guard got to the first time I'd ever been to Carrington by the way and I was like what road is it and, and Ty one of our writers he, he said to me oh you just go up this lane and I'm like Ty I, I've never been there before mate like I, but but I'm glad that you think that you think that I have which is great <laughs> he was just like oh right so take a left at the traffic light and just drive just keep driving and the road will go from being a, a normal road to being like a country lane which is where the confusion comes in because you're driving up it going like am I on some farmland here or what Can't Manchester the biggest football club in the I world know. can't be up here I know and then, and then you just get to this barrier 
And it's like security guards just like flood you and they're like, who are you? What are you here for? And I'm just like, I'm a journalist, I'm a journalist. Holding my, uh, my, uh, my pass in front of my face saying, look, this is me. And they just go, what are you here for? And you go, I'm here for the press conference or open training or whatever. And they go, okay. They open the gate and there's another five minutes. Yeah. You drive another, it's you like keep really, driving. I know in the middle of nowhere. The gate looks like it should be right at the entrance. It's about halfway down the road. But what, what's brilliant about it is if you're on foot, you can literally just walk past the fence and walk up. So you, you literally, we pulled up that day outside the big Manchester United banner that you, you see, you know, adorned outside Carrington on uh, photographs and video. And there's people stood there like with with shirts waiting for players to sign. But what a lot of people don't know is there is actually another entrance to Carrington, which on that day that the, the car fell in the ditch, a lot of the journalists were stopped and they had to go around the other way. And, and they were like, I didn't know this place existed. No wonder we don't see the players coming in sometimes. We always wonder. And, and it turns out there is like a back cave entrance. <laughs> Which also shows if Man United want to hide something from you, like pictures of, of Rasmus Hoyland rocking up in his taxi from the airport. His Mercedes Vita. They could hide it from you. So they're not trying to hide anything here. So anyway, Sam, uh, let's let's get into this. Rasmus Hoyland, right, at the time of recording, it hasn't been officially confirmed by the club, but like Sam said, he isn't here for a holiday. So we're going to talk on the under the understanding that United are going to announce this in the next 24 hours. Signed, so, sealed, just not delivered yet. Yeah, and, and Samuel Lucas has written a piece basically explaining why Rasmus Hoyland's transfer has been delayed. So if you do want to go and have a read of that, it is available to read now on the Manchester Evening News. Hoyland was due to meet some supporters and conduct activities around his signing, but that was cancelled as United are focusing on his medical. The deal is not remotely in jeopardy, and United are now looking at possible weekend announcement around the time of the whole friendly against Lons on Saturday. United famously did that with um, Solskjaer and uh, Varane, didn't they, where everything went quiet and next minute Varane's being walked out onto the pitch and that was like, this is, this is Manchester United. In the, in the new shirt as well, this wasn't is, it? Yeah, it was class. That was absolutely class because everybody was class. I sound like a, I sound like a kid, a teenager. That was class, mate. It, um, it was just, it, it sort of channeled it, the, the Manchester United of old. None of this social media nonsense. None of this, oh, we're making a making a video about him. We're going to have to get, you know, Casemiro playing the piano again or whatever it was. Uh, not Casemiro. Sanchez. Yeah, actually, as, as as I'm literally talking now, I'm thinking that makes total sense. United are not going to announce him. They're going to literally bring him onto the pitch on Saturday. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll probably, see. when we get out of this recording, they will be announced. <laughs> yeah, that'll we'll be, be right. That'll be, yeah. but anyway, Sam, we're going to talk as if it's been yes. announced yes. because, it, it, you know, as Samuel said in his piece, it's not in jeopardy. Right. What is Rough Diamond Rasmus Hoyland going to bring to United and how is he going to replace, if he is going to replace, Anthony Martial. I mean, he's. I'm a big fan. I'm a really big fan of this transfer. I didn't catch much of him at Atalanta last season, if any. I don't actually remember watching a live Atalanta game, so I probably didn't catch him at all. I might have watched a Denmark game here and there. I can't really remember. I watched so much football. It must be. I must be nearing on 300 games a, week, a, a year. Exactly. <laughs> uh, which is just outrageous, really. But anyway, I... Do really, I am a massive fan of this transfer. I think this is just what Man United need as a striker. Like, because you can go around, you can go, oh yeah, this striker's done really well, this striker's done whatever. Eric Tenog's not been drawn in by the form. And I mean, it is slightly form-based. Football's form-based. You know, Maguire four, four or five years ago was an £80 million defender. Now he's not. But I do think this is just perfect. And I mean, I don't use that word lightly, 
this is perfect for Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag. He's always used, like at Ajax, he used Seb Haller, who you might remember from West Ham. He, and he wasn't great at West Ham, but he went to Ajax and Eric Ten Hag really got the best out of him. Seb Haller's now at Borussia Dortmund. I mean, I think he spent a lot of last season out with cancer and he's returned now, fully fit again, fully, hopefully he's going to go come back firing. But I do think this sort of big man, which West Ham have a history of signing massive strikers and then not getting the best out of them. I think that might be a David Moyes issue more than a, I mean, I, I, like we've just said in part one, I'm a Sunderland fan. I know David Moyes up close. All you Manchester United fans know David Moyes up close. And you know how much he loves people like Maru Anfellaini, which should he really have ever played for Manchester United? He was all right when he was here, but... Hot take, Sam. I thought he was brilliant. He was. No, exactly. He shouldn't have been, but he was. (laughs) That's the problem. When United signed him, and I remember that picture, that picture went around. I can't remember if it was genuine or not, but there was a picture of them, like they covered him up in like a black bin liner or something, but you could see his hair. And it was just like, it was so cringeworthy that that that, that had happened. Now, whether that was done deliberate, I don't know. Again, I could be falling into the trap of being caught out with believing something that wasn't true. But I, I do remember that image. And I remember thinking like, United had tried to sign Fabregas that summer, don't forget. And and the um, I think it was Ed Woodward had left the tour early to go and sign Fabregas. And then we end up on the, on the literally deadline day signing Marouane Fellaini. And it was a bit embarrassing. We're Manchester United, you know, I keep saying Manchester United and, and that was it. But that was that was the legacy that Alex Ferguson left. He literally controlled every element of the club. And when he left, everybody else was picking up the pieces. Everybody else was just, nobody knew what to do. David Moyes was brought in. Everybody knew David Moyes like was like taking the centre out of your engine that works and just, Putting, putting a hole in the middle. It's like getting, this is what I used, I used to work at PC World, right? And a, a customer would come in to me and they'd be going, I'd be like saying, right, you should buy the MacBook because it's the most expensive laptop. It's just the best laptop, but bearing on what you want. And then I'm like, but I, why, why, why would I pay 1500 quid when that one's 300 quid? And I used to say to him, imagine you're moving house and this is my analogies, by the way. You and Connor love my analogies. Go on, why am I moving house? <laughs> if, imagine you're moving house, right? And you ring a man in a van or a woman in a van or a person in a van and you say, right, I need to move all of this heavy equipment. It's a heavy load. I want it done all in one go. And they go, right, okay, no worries. I'll send a Ford Fiesta. They turn up with this Ford Fiesta, the little Ford Fiesta van that you can get. One litre engine, loads of space in the back. You load that up, what happens? That guy ain't moving. So you go, that's what you're getting for that £300 laptop. Now, you might just want it for emails, you might just want it for Facebook, that's what most general day-to-day people do, but when you get a computer like that, you then, the more you the more you have, the more you start to use it. So you go, oh, well, actually, I can do my spreadsheets, and I can do my, my you know, my mortgage tracker or whatever. I can put whatever. everything on the laptop. Everything on the laptop. And before you know it, in six months' time, guess what? That laptop is slow as anything, it's had all its updates on it, you've loaded all this software on it, and it ain't going to run. And you're coming in in six months' time going... My laptop's broke, blah, 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 blah. When actually, if you just listened to me in the first place and bought a better machine, you'd have had it. You know, the reason these companies sell these cheaper ones is to make you go, well, that one's okay, but then for another hundred quid, you can have this, which is, you know, it's like marketing genius 101 or whatever. So what are we talking about? We're talking about... <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson Sir Alex leaving. Ferguson leaving, yeah. So I'd say to people like, buy the, you know, generally, buy the most expensive. They'd, they'd look at me like, no, you're just trying to get commission off me. I'm not, but I just don't want to see you in six months' time going that you've, that you've done that. And the, the analogy with a van is, you know, just get the proper van for the job and pay the money 
than than suffer later on and thinking, God, you know, you pay you pay cheat, you pay twice. And you bring David Moyes into Manchester United and, and on paper, yeah, it looks like it's a safe transition. He's a Scottish manager just like Alex Ferguson. He's he's been around the world. You he know, he's he's personally, he was personally chosen by Sir Alex, wasn't he? And I think some of these decisions Alex Ferguson has made since he's not been the manager and not sort of had the the strings of of the club at his mercy. You've sort of seen that some of them, these recommendations that he's made have, have not worked out. But when he's the manager, he can shoulder the blame, whereas somebody else has got to shoulder the blame. And then it's like, well, Sir Alex suggested that. And, oh, God, you know, maybe maybe he's not as great as he as he, as he once was. And it's like, no, it's it's not necessarily that. It's because the people who are now running the club are not are not football people. They're, they're business people. So they're going to Alex Ferguson for a request. He's giving them a bit of information. They're acting on it with with gusto. And if it's not working out, they're going, well, Alex Ferguson recommended him. It's like, yeah, but Alex Ferguson recommended him, but it's for, he then needs moulding and needs properly working him. David Moyes was basically thrown into the lion's den. He, he was working with an ageing team who just won the league. It was like Brian Clough going to Leeds back in this, you know, 1974, I think it was. Or I wasn't alive then. You went, no, I <laughs> but I've watched the Damn United and I've read yeah. a lot of books on Brian Clough. So brilliant film, by the way, if you've not watched it, 2009, um, the Dam United with Michael Sheen, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal film. But yeah, David Moyes was, was was basically thrown into the lion's den. And who did he bring in? Was did he? Was it only Fellaini? And then he brought Matter in the summer in, in January. Sorry, did he? Did he buy anybody else? I feel like there was another signing under Moyes. So do I, but I don't. No, it was Fellaini. He, he compared he compared United to uh, was it Phil Jagielka? He said to Rio Ferdinand, "You need to do do this like Phil Jagielka did." And 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 that when you hear stories like that, you just think, "Ah, oh, what is going on at our football club?" But anyway, look, Hoyland. Anyway, Hoyland. Sam, back on tangents. Yes. Stop letting me go off on tangents like this, will you? First, it's talking about slagging your kids off. Now it's talking about David Moyes buying a van to go to PC World. Like, what is going on, <laughs> Sam? Rasmus Hoyland, 20 years of age, Danish footballer. Christian Eriksen did an interview about him recently. And, and uh, it was funny because um, Melissa from Sky Sports was, was asking Ten Hag and he just he was he was smiling at her because he just like, I'm not talking about him. He's not under contract at Man United. And you, you could hear in, in her voice and in his voice that they, 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 they probably had a private chat off air. You've, got, about you've it. got to ask the question, but you're not, you know you're not, not getting an answer. She knows she's not going to get an answer off him, but she, she, it's her job to ask the question. So it's really frustrating though, because as a journalist, you're asking that question, you know what's coming. But if you don't ask the question, you get torn to pieces. Oh, why are you not asking about this? That's well, because we know that the answer is going to be the stock answer that you're not going to be able to write about. Or, and if oh, someone stumbles... You know, there's something there. There's at least a story. What was great is Ericsson was asked about it and he gave an answer. So so what did Ericsson say? And 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 again, to elaborate on, on Hoyland, what, what can we expect from him? I mean, Ericsson said he's a proper number nine. And he is. That is, he's going to be able to do everything a number nine would need to do on his own in a Manchester United shirt. Let's hope the pressure doesn't get to him. Because, I mean, the pressure of coming to Man United from Atalanta I mean, Atalanta aren't a massive historical club. They've got a good transfer record, pretty much. They're not really that famous to play for. They're not a well-known. No, they're not a well-known sort of club. They're, it's right on the right on the edge of um, Milan. So obviously, they've always been in Inter and AC's shadow. But that pressure is going to be the biggest sort of talking point of can he match it? The real what I don't want Manchester United fans to think is he's going to be like Haaland because he's not. That's a once-in-a-lifetime season coming in, being probably the best striker in the world. 
in your debut season in the best league in the world and winning the treble is just out of this world incredible. Like, I don't think there's another player in world football who could do that. Even like, you're looking at Mbappe's, Mbappe might be a better player as an individual than Haaland, but I don't think he's going to come in and score 30, did he get 36 goals in 35 games or 35 goals in 36 games? Something like that in the Prem. That's, you're just not getting that with anybody else. And that's, I don't want Man United fans to think, oh yeah, that's what we're getting with Hoyland. I do think he's, like I said in part one, he's a play through rather than a play two striker. You think like, I'm thinking Lukaku, sort of build up play. He, you play it to him and then, he, and then people play off him, but he's not really involved in how the team plays. Hoyland's the complete opposite. He'll be involved in every attack. I mean, I've got his stats open here and stuff like progressive passes received. So he's getting the ball to him and then passing it off or getting the ball to him and then turning and sprinting or getting the ball to him and trying to make something of it rather than just holding the ball up. It's His stats are really impressive across the board, more than just he's really good at one thing or he's really good at a couple of things. He is really good across the board, pretty much. Assists aren't that high. Atalanta haven't had a fantastic vintage season, so that's understandable. But goals are really high. Again, he's at 0.47 goals per 90 for Atalanta last season, which 84%. I mean, this, this, this website I'm using has got it all in percentages, so it's very confusing to explain. That is better than 84% of other attackers in Europe, which is pretty impressive. He's 20 years old. It's only going to get better. Like I say, I am a massive fan of this transfer. I do think he's pretty much perfect for what Manchester United need as a striker. And I really hope pressure sort of injuries. We Obviously, he's only 20. We don't know if he's got dodgy knees. We don't know if he's got dodgy anything, really. You'd hope he doesn't. That's what the medical's for. But if he does, that's real unfortunate. Like Martial, when Martial signed, no one knew he had he would have dodgy knees, dodgy ankles going into his career. Phil Jones, exactly. A lot of players get caught out for it. As long as that doesn't happen, I do think Hoyland will be the perfect striker for Manchester United. Yeah. Is he going to come in and be the out and out number nine, or is he going to be rotated in his in his first few first few months or first season? Because you, you tend to find a lot of these players will come, especially young players. They're not they're not if they're managed correctly, unless they're like a, a superstar. They they the fans have this perception that this player is going to come in and you know lead the line forever. You know from from the get go. Um, but is he going to? start there or or are we still going to see Anthony Martial starting up front with with competition because last season who was Martial's competition when Martial was injured it was Rashford Rashford, exactly. Rashford wants to play on the left Rashford is a left winger Rashford admits that he wants to play on the left he said in this interview with Gary Neville which we're going to talk about a little bit later that his goal for last season was to score 20 goals from the left from the left and he scored 30 but he played a lot of it up front and you know, some of the little niggling injuries he got towards the end of the season was why he sort of curtailed and sort of stopped at 30. Well, that's because he played so much football. Because every because game Because we've he got was... the paper mache Anthony Martial on the, on the bench, you just, he literally blinks and he's injured. And it's like, you, you, you just, as a football club, it's so frustrating to have people that are or players that are just perpetually injured. Because how can you plan the future of your tactics and everything? 
You know, Martial at pre-season last year, he was he was absolutely unplayable. He was absolutely incredible. I looked at him and thinking, oh my God, I'm drooling. We've got Rashford, Sancho and Martial being compared to blooming, you know, Rooney, Tevez and Ronaldo of 2008. And it's like, if they can even measure up to half of what them three did, then we are in for him. And then he just, we, we, we remembered, oh yeah, he gets injured. And then he was injured, I'll see. And I think there's a start, and I think it's still true to this day. I think from since February 2020, he hasn't started and finished a 90-minute game for Manchester United. Not just at home, but Something just like that, at yeah. home. And please correct me on that, listeners, if you if if it, if it's incorrect, but I'm sure that that start is still relevant to this day. That Martial has not completed 90 minutes for Old Trafford since the COVID, uh, pre-COVID, if that's true. That is insane because, yeah, he went on loan to Seville and, you know, Ronaldo came in, so he was dropped for that. And Ibrahimovic, I think Ibrahimovic had gone by that point. But, um, you know, you just, I just, Martial's got so much talent within those, within that body, within those legs. And it's so frustrating to see such a talented player, you know, because there's that side of it. But there's also the frustration that, like, just get rid of him. But then who wants to buy him? Nobody, because he's injury prone. I mean, and... He went to Seville and look they got at rid of him. How, well, he didn't do well at all at Seville. He scored, Probably scored the wrong team, one goal it? in 16 appearances, well, something like that. This which... is what the lads on the City podcast were talking about on Monday. The, the Talking City podcast, if you are interested in listening to us talk about Man City, we do the Talking City podcast, which is, if you just search Talking City on uh, wherever you get your podcast, you'll be able to hear that. But Joe and, Joe and Simon were talking about it, and they were saying that it's all well and good saying send a player on loan, but it's it, it's it's sending the player to the right club. Look at Ahmad Diallo. He yeah, went exactly. to Sunderland. He could have probably gone to I mean, anywhere. He, he, he went to Rangers last season. Didn't do anything. Came to Sunderland. Set the world alight. It was fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. that was the last player that United bought from Atalanta. So you never exactly. know. Harland might be joining you next yeah. season. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, Atalanta are really good at selling as well. They have no need for any money. They don't. Well, they're just one of these feeder clubs, a bit like like a Dortmund, a bit like a you know a Leipzig or a Salzburg or whatever, where where there are sort of there is there is I don't want to say there is there are, no they are they are a, a tier below the absolute European Dortmund elite. Are, Dortmund are probably bridging that, that gap, yeah. yeah. But then sometimes Dortmund don't bridge that gap. They still can't compete with Sancho money that offered for Sancho money they're offered for Haaland. They just can't. Isn't compete. that the structure of the way the German league is though? Like look at Bayern, they 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 don't spend tons and tons of money on transport. But look at how good they how far they go in Europe and that. So maybe maybe there's an element of that there. I don't know, but but yeah, like these the the mega clubs, your Real Madrid, your United. I mean, City are probably up there now because of how rich they are. Newcastle are probably bridging that gap now, or they will do over the next few seasons if if they continue their development. But they can literally pick and choose whichever players they want. And and if a club goes well, we're hundred million for them, they will go right. Okay, well we're gonna have to pay it because we can and we need that player. But you know. The, it's just, it's frustrating because I really rate Martial as a player and I, I really want to see him do well, but I'm now at the point where I just want him gone. I just, I've had enough of him. I've had enough of his injuries. Like even on the preseason tour, did he even go on? I don't have seen a single picture of him. Did he even go? I think he went. I think he probably traveled, but I'm not sure he trained. No, I'm not sure he trained. Which is like, do we, t you know, have United took him on the tour to show other clubs that we still value him? So if you want to buy him, well, he has a transfer value. Or to show to him that he's still got a role if he can stay fit. Exactly. Because that's, yeah. I mean, that's something that might come with Hoyland coming in and taking that pressure. There is no need. Martial's not going to start every time he's fit, which means you're not rushing him back. You're not really putting any pressure on him to get back in time, which means we might actually see a run of games. I mean, we're not seeing him now because he's injured again. But 
we might see him sort of end towards the end of 2023. You're looking at your Novembers, your Decembers. If we see a run of games where he can actually score some goals and make a difference for Manchester United, especially because at that point, there's so many games being played. I think it'll be a, a, the same again this season. I presume it will be. It usually is. From at the middle of November to about the middle of January, you're playing two, three times a week. It's, I hope Martial can sort of find his best form again because obviously on his debut against Liverpool, he was fantastic. And that's what he can do when he's fit. And that's what he did last, last season on the preseason tour. That's what he can do. We know what he can do when he's, he's like fit. like Sancho. Yeah. When he's fit and when he's on his game, he's class. Sancho, I think, is going to be the backup. This has got to, to be Sancho's season now. If Sancho does not shine this season, I think it's time to get rid. You I mean, I, I think his stock's t- still pretty high as well. I think people still know. People still remember. The expectation is so yeah, high. People still remember his Dortmund yeah. season and his form at Dortmund. So I think his stock's still quite high. I don't think he's one of those players where you're looking at 15 million, just leave him. Yeah. I think he's. I think you're looking at still your 40s, maybe even 50s. If he has a half-decent season, I think you're looking at probably 50 million still for Sancho. But Even if he's... If anybody leaves United, it's usually... Apart from your very rare recurrence like your Ronaldo to Real Madrid, it's usually a downgrade. Like, I, I was speaking to Ty about this and he was saying that generally the reason why United struggle to get big transfer fees or decent transfer fees for players is because the, the only way is down from Manchester United and if a player has is leaving Man United, it's usually because they're, you know, they've failed, they've failed to make the first team and that therefore they're less valuable. Whereas, whereas from like a West Ham going to an Arsenal, that's a step up. Whereas leaving Man United generally isn't a step up. It's a step sideways or a diagonal step down or whatever. So that's why, you know, one of the reasons United's transfer fees coming in is is so low. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about transfers in a second with like Dean Henderson um, on his way out. Um, but I just want to talk to you about this Marcus Rashford overlap interview with Gary Neville. So that's been released this morning as we're recording. Um, Marcus Rashford the first two parts of it uh, are interesting but there's nothing really exciting in terms of he talks about his politics he talks about the stuff with Boris Johnson he talks about the injury and the, the, the back injury he had but the third part of that interview was the was the bit that I really took note of and that was when he was talking about you know the, the what Ten Hag has done and the implications of being late and he talked about when he was when he was late that day, and he he literally just says, I was 45 seconds late, 50 seconds late, but the rule is the rule, there is no grace. And, and in a way, I get it, because it's like, if I say to you, for example, and I'm going to laugh now because of literally how we started this pod, if I say to you, I need you in the office to start work at nine, I don't expect you to rock up at two minutes, three minutes, even one minute past nine, because pre-COVID, with the way that the workers were, it's like you get to work 10 minutes before your shift starts to get yourself ready for work. Whereas since COVID, everyone's been working from home. It's just like, oh, I'll start at nine, so I'll turn up at nine because I don't need to do anything. And then when you start saying to people, right, we need to go on location, well, that mindset's there. So like, you know, and I, I suffer from it. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, if, I, if, I, if someone says to me, we need to be somewhere at nine o'clock, that means I need to leave at nine o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. it doesn't mean I need to be on location at nine o'clock. So I have to then force myself to say, actually, no, that's eight o'clock. So I've given myself, so I set off at eight to get there for nine. So, you know, with, with, with Ten Hag being as strict as he is on, if you're late, you're out. But it, it has to transcend to the megastars and the youth team because, you know, you, you can't have... It can't be one rule for one, like, another like rule for another. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Alex Ferguson famously treated some players differently. 
because that was his man management style. Well, Ten Hag's man management style is 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 very. You're, you're all equal in his thoughts. Yeah, but but what was also great from that from that third part of the interview was how Eric Ten Hag reacted to United getting thumped. So United lost six three to City. We lost seven nil to Liverpool, and there was probably the the Brentford game, second game. And it was United never lost back to back games during that season. You never they never had heavy defeat and then another defeat after it. They always either won. It might be they might be the odd draw in there, but I'm pretty certain that United won pretty much every game after they got a heavy defeat. And Rashford was asked, well, what happens? And he was saying that, like, the manager might go away and watch the game, but he's not going to bring the players in to watch the game. And that's great because I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch us getting thrashed 7-0 again. But the manager will watch it. He will let us clear our heads and he will make us go again and he'll give us a fresh approach and he'll clear our thoughts of it. And I think that, that you know, Tenag didn't have his perfect 11 last season. Martial was injured, David De Gea wasn't the keeper he wanted, but he worked with it and he, and he made it work. We finished third, won a cup, FA Cup final. It was a successful season given the last 10 years. Not as a Manchester United thoroughbred, it was a sort of average season. But if you compare what's happened in the last 10 years, yeah, it, that was that was probably a great season. You know, you, the last trophy we won was 2017, won the League Cup and the Europa League. And, then and I mean, steps in the right direction. Exactly. It's, it's not, the trophies, yeah, it's nice as a fan, I'm sure. I'm As not, a player, though, I'm not really sure because I'm a Sunderland fan. We've never, I've never seen his lift a trophy, but <laughs> um, I'm sure. Like, yeah, it's really nice. Oh, yeah, they won the League Cup. Whatever for Eric Ten Hag, that doesn't matter. He's not looking at that thinking, oh yeah, that's a successful season. I'll do the same again. He's looking to make that next step up. I mean, that's the aim: is winning leagues again, winning league titles, experiencing this dominance that City are now experiencing where they're pretty much unmatchable at that sort of top level at the minute that's what Eric Ten Hag's building towards and that's what he's building this squad towards and like you just said yeah last season it was a success this season hopefully it's going to be even more of a success except the issues are now everyone else has strengthened as well you've got Chelsea who can't can't have as poor a season as they did last season you've got Arsenal who've only got stronger You've got City, who are always going to be really good. Liverpool had a poor season last season. They should have a good season. It's strengthening at the same, if not better, than everybody around you is the issue. I mean, even Villa and Newcastle are making massive moves. This is why the Premier League is the, the hardest league, because you, there is no such thing as an easy game. There's, there is literally no team out there that, you know, even Brighton, who sort of were a mid, middling team, are now considered top six, top eight material. You know, and they've beat United the first game of the season last season and then they got to the FA Cup semi-final where United put them out was it penalties I think beat them on penalties in the end it was a you know again it shows the strength of them. yes they've lost some players but they're a bit like I don't know I don't know, a bit like a Dortmund where they they sort of just get these, they get these players and they unearth some gems and, yeah they go and, and sign then, a young player and then sell them two years later for exactly what you were saying before yeah. nobody's judging Brighton on bringing these superstars in if they fail they fail but when they succeed it's like oh wow look at look at Brighton you know look at we should be recruiting like they're recruiting but it's like yeah it's, it's a completely different element but anyway um, moving on from that so obviously if you want to go and watch that interview with Michael Strashford it's available now on the overlap but there's also some written pieces on the Manchester news where if you just want to dissect uh, bit by bit without having to watch the full thing you can do that right now Sam the takeover it's all gone quiet but massive massive bit of news that came out earlier this week Manchester United and Adidas have struck a new 10 year deal worth 900 million quid which which dwarves the, the deal from 2015 when United 
you know, signed their first deal. That was when they signed Martial eight years ago. So United have signed another deal with uh, with Adidas, and the, the the talk coming out is that the Glazers might go. Do you know what? We've just done a nine hundred million pound deal. The next deal they'll do probably be over a billion. You know, first billion pound shirt sponsor, shirt sponsor deal, sponsor deal. In football. Yeah. I don't know if they've done that already. No, in it's the NFL, it's the, re- but... the new record. Well, that might have might have in American football. The money's daft over there, isn't it? So yeah. across the pond. Across the pond. I love that phrase. In fact, if any Americans are listening, let us know. Is the is this the biggest sports kit deal in history? I mean, it, it perfectly reasonable that it would be. Yeah, you got invited out for a beer, didn't you, last week? I, I did. I got invited to, for a beer to, in San Diego, which I'm afraid I can't accept. But I I love San Diego. It's beautiful, beautiful city. Have you been? Yeah, yeah have I you? Went, I went when I was I don't know, 14, 15. Oh, you lucky sod. I know. San Diego. I've been to New York and LA twice. That's my. I I I live on the back of that. Do you know when people like you're in a conversation about going abroad? Oh yeah, I went to LA and I, I, I literally I'm. At some point, I'm going to have to stop saying it because it's going to be so long ago. But yeah, I've been to um, to LA to cover Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder in 2018 in December. Incredible, incredible city. And then I went again in 2019 to do uh, KSI versus Logan Paul 2 and saw a bit of Venice Beach, Muscle Beach. I was on Muscle, there's a picture of me somewhere on social media with my big fat belly out on Muscle <laughs> Beach with all these tanks around me. <laughs> and then New York for AJ versus, uh, for, for people who don't know, in my past life, I covered boxing. So um, My past life. My past life, my previous, one of my previous roles in my previous job. But yeah, so I went to, f- so in my, it's funny because people talk about boxing being a, a bit on the decline in terms of superstars and stuff. And I think I, the first boxing match I ever watched in my life in person was Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, which is sort of like saying the first game of football I ever went to was, was the, Champions the Champions League, League final, final yeah. against, you know, Man United versus Chelsea in 2008 or, or Man United v Barca in 2009, uh, 2009, 1999. And then the next boxing match I went to was uh, AJ versus Andy Ruiz in 2019. <laughs> right, okay. In New York. Yeah. So, it, again, like in football in terms, that's like watching the FA Cup final with the two best teams in, in, in England and then watching the Champions League final six months later. And they're the only two experiences I'd ever had of watching a boxing match. And then since then, I've been to many, 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 many boxing events and uh, still do to this day because I love following the boxing. I love covering it. But um, less about that, more about Manchester United. So you got invited to San Diego for a beer. Yeah. Um, and that that came off the back of some positive feedback for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. I got some co- some compliments I know as we well. got lots of compliments. We're used to getting hate on yeah. social media. This this is revolutionary. Like, what is, I feel I feel ill that I'm actually getting, I'm not getting stick. I'm not being called all sorts of nasty names and, uh, you know, and, and, and things that I can't say on this podcast without being cancelled. But... Uh, <laughs> to get a compliment and we're like I read it and I'm like I don't know, I don't know what to do, what, what do, do how do I respond to how that? do I respond to a compliment thank you yeah. you know I'm expecting it to be the C word and say no I hate you and I'll, you know your voice is irritating that and podcast everything. was awful <laughs> yeah yeah you should be ashamed of yourself how how are people talentless people like you doing this podcast and it's like yes <laughs> I thrive off that you know but uh, anyway, Sam, the takeover. We, we've gone off a tangent. Yeah. Seb, Seb going off on his many, many tangents talking about uh, living life in the fast lane. Um, the takeover then. So the, so the talk is that the Glazers might cancel the takeover after nine months or whatever it's been of, of talk. Um, what do you know? I mean, it would be a real shame if they did cancel this takeover because Man United fans across the globe want it to happen. It doesn't matter who you back whether it's Sir Jim Ratcliffe or whether it's 
Sheikh Jassim. It doesn't really matter. Anybody is going to be better at running this football club than the Glazers. That's the key point here. If you prefer Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim takes over, you shouldn't really be upset about it. He's still going to do a better job than the Glazers have. He's still going to invest in sort of, it's not even the playing squad because there's plenty of investment in the playing squad. It's investing in everything else around it. You know, Old Trafford's falling into ruins, basically. I'm sure you saw on social media the leak in the toilets halfway through a game, like half time and you're wading through puddles in the toilets. It's like, it's just not really good enough. Are you sure that that's rainwater and not? Just it's not. It's definitely missing. not rainwater. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I mean. The leak in the toilets was. Oh right, it actually, was... yeah, from the toilets. Oh, uh, exactly. Oh. At halftime of a Premier League game, it's not really acceptable anywhere in the Premier League. Never mind at the biggest club in the you country. You wouldn't get that at Real Madrid, would you? Exactly. You wouldn't get that at City. You wouldn't get that. Exactly. At, uh... You wouldn't get that at Anfield. You, won't, you probably won't get that at Norwich. Exactly. I keep saying Norwich. It's twice I've said Norwich. <laughs> this, this pod. You do get it at Sunderland, but that's just local area. <laughs> you can say that. I can't say that. <laughs> um, but it's it's that's the key part. Everybody wants this transfer to go through, except the Glazers. They've seen how much money they can... Yeah, sorry. Everyone wants this takeover to go through, except the Glazers. They've seen how much money they can make. They've done it for years. They've lived off pretty much the revenue Manchester United makes. And why would you not, if you can? I mean, on a personal level, why would you not? But it's not good enough. From a fan's perspective, you aren't just running a company. You are running such a massive... It's like a religion, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like football's not like any other business. It's completely... You've got fans who will stay loyal to Manchester United for their entire lives. Like, you would not get that with any other business. That's like going, oh yeah, I'm a Ryanair fan. (laughs) I love Ryanair. I love it when I don't I get love a Ryanair, exactly. I only fly Ryanair nowadays. It's like oh, you you would never you would never wear a Liverpool shirt because you just wouldn't. That's horrible, isn't it? Sam, you pay me an amount of money and I will wear a Liverpool shirt. I I have I have no I have no morals when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> you talk to the wrong person if you're saying you would not I was wearing a city like, shirt. Like we're in the room with the glazers. <laughs> I was wearing a city shirt the other day because we were um, we were filming a review for a, for a city shirt for our, for our oh, city you were modelling it. Yeah, but the problem is, is I'm fat, so it doesn't look very good on me. So I had to take it off. I literally got it out. Of the, I got it out of the box to to to. Re- we were doing like a little review of it, and it was like, uh, don't get my face in it because I, well, I don't want my face going out there. But I, I was wearing it, and I was like, we're doing this for content. Like I, I just like you know, you get like you get you Gary Neville's like I never wear a Liverpool shirt or whatever, and and I get that that tribalism, but I just I just don't have it. Like I just it just doesn't bother me. Like. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actively walk around wearing a Liverpool shirt because I'm not a Liverpool fan. But yeah, yeah, but that's I, what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they have this business anyway, the Glazers, and they run it like a business. They're not awful at business. They're awful for a football club. That's the that's the real point you've got to get across. Is that they're not bad businessmen. Still, Man United aren't falling apart from the inside out. The stadium is, but that's. Another issue. I mean, you're looking at billion-pound stadiums, though, to replace it. I mean, Spurs built their new stadium. Beautiful stadium. Fantastic. State-of-the-art. State-of-the-art. Brilliant. Got a retractable pitch. It's just not realistic. It's just not realistic for Manchester United. I mean, the pitch isn't big enough now. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been... Manchester United fans listening at home, I don't know if you've ever been to Old Trafford, but if you do the stadium tour, there's a massive steeped hill up to the pitch. and. It works all right for the Premier League, but if you want to 
like Aurori de Lap throwing would never be possible at Old Trafford. No, there's not enough uh, spaces. At the no. So you're looking at, it's if you don't know who that is, Rory de Lap throwing's worth a search. Yeah. Incredible. One, one skill he had. And he made himself a Premier League career out of it and not even playing football. <laughs> I want to give my verdict on, on the whole takeover. And, and I hear a lot of fans, and whenever United fans want to protest, when they, oh, here we go, get the Norwich scabs out. Norwich again? Yeah. <laughs> How many Norwich references? Norwich and Sunderland. Are the Norwich two. and Sunderland are just on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Um, everyone's like, oh, get the Norwich scabs out again. You know, you know, and, and, and it's really frustrating because I get it that fans are doing it to wind United fans up there is that element but but there's also the ignorant element as well is that United you know a lot of foreign fans go well not foreign fans other club fans uh, why do I say foreign fans I, I, I don't know like foreign to Man United I don't know uh, other clubs fans fans of other clubs who say that United fans are so spoiled they say hey, hey, there is an element to it. don't get me wrong you know, United have been spoiled over the years I spent 26 25 years of my life with one manager winning everything we want and when it starts to Go go awry. It's like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a, a fan of any other club, you know. Sunderland or Norwich. Sunderland or Norwich, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the yo-yo clubs of the, of the world. Um, but it, it's not just about, like like you said, about the playing squad. and that. It, It's what's going on. It's the fact that they bought the club with the club's own... I mean, something like this. They bought the club with the club's own money, put the club into X amount of million pounds of debt. They're taking dividends out of the club whilst not investing a penny of their own money into the club. So it's like me buying you a laptop with your money and then saying that you've bought it and then me taking a, a percentage of any earnings you make from that laptop yeah. that you Back bought, to a laptop analogy, yeah. And another laptop. Oh God, I'm full of them, aren't I? But that, that's, that's what it is for Man United fans. It, it's the frustration that they've, they've basically bought the club and it all, it all spanned from, from people who don't know, it all spanned from the whole racehorse scenario, didn't it, with Alex Ferguson? Um, when, when I mean, if you, if you just do a bit of research on that and, and that's sort of how the... The Glazers got the takeover because of a massive fallout, and uh, I don't know the ins and outs of that, so I don't want to say too much on the matter. But that was sort of the the beginning of the whole Glazers taking the majority of Manchester United over, and and it's just gone from there. And obviously, some of the some of the the siblings of the Glazer siblings and, and family want to sell, and some of them don't. So we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to keep talking about it until something happens because yeah. at the I moment mean, that's, nothing. That's the basics. The We've news got, is, there is no news. There is which no is, news. Is it could be positive. It could be. People are saying online that everybody signed NDAs. We're like, well, we don't know if they have because it's an it's an NDA. We we'll never know. So we can only tell you what we know or what we don't know, and we're going to be open and honest and say there is no, there's just no news, which is just it's disappointing. I, and I understand it, United fans. You know, it's a very disappointing situation to not have any updates. I mean, that's the the bare minimum. Really, is there should be updates. Like Elon Musk buying Twitter, he was updating every single day, and X, sorry, X, sorry, um, and every he was updating people every single day on his Twitter account. That before he even owned it, we want that sort of update. We want to know where it's going, who's in the lead, sort of who's who's more likely to take over, and what their plans would be. And you know they've got to keep their cows close to their chest. The two interested parties. That's Obvious, because they both want to buy Manchester United. It'd be a fantastic acquisition for either of them. But for the Glazers, it is very much, because it's owned by the family rather than an individual, it's not down to that individual's decision. It's down to a family decision, which is why it's taken so long, really. They've got multiple siblings, all interested. Some of them you see, some of them you don't. Some of them have never even been to Old Trafford to see a Manchester United game. You, 
you've got to try and convince these people that yes, the bank account, the the two hundred thousand you get in your bank account every year is beautiful, lovely, pays your mortgages, whatever. I don't know how many. They that's, won't have mortgages, that's just, mate. No, that's just <laughs> figures that I'm throwing out there. They're not fact. Don't worry. Um, this is off script, so just remember. But that. like, it's it's convincing those people who aren't really interested. Yeah, fine. It's spend the money. money to yeah, them, yeah, exactly. It? Yeah, which is the real issue. There isn't a care. So Jim Ratcliffe is a Manchester United fan. He grew up in Failsworth, which is one tram stop from where we are recording this right now. Uh, Sheikh Jassim is a Manchester United fan. He said it. He's not from Failsworth. He's not from Failsworth. He's from Qatar. But fine. You know, he's still a Manchester United fan. He still wants the best for the club rather than wanting the best for himself, which is. Really, where, that's what fans want. Yeah, that's, that's what, what fans we want. If if a fan was going to buy a Manchester, Manchester United, they'd want the best for the club. If a Sheikh Jassim, who is a fan, or Sir Jim, who is a fan, buy the club, they want the best for the club. Yes, they might make a lot of money off it. They might do really well for we themselves. Want them to. But that's fine as long as they're investing. Yeah, it's about making the club this institution back into this institution that it was before the Glazers and before even the Premier League. That's... It's just mad though, because like, obviously all this money that they're taking out, yet United was just signed a £900 million deal with Adidas. So, so somebody somewhere is doing something right. I think the main, the main, the main issue with a lot of United fans is the fact that these guys, these guys and these people never put a penny in, but they take money out. And that is the, that is the, the crux of it, is that you're leeching off the brand. If this club stopped making money, they'd be off. Just like that, they'd be off. But while it's making money... It's lying in their pockets. And again, as business people, that's understandable. But anyway, Sam, let's end part two there. That's been a massive, massive part two. And we're going to we're gonna do a, a short part three. We're going to come out. We're going to talk about all the transfers that's going on around Manchester United. We're going to talk about the players that could be coming in and the players that could be going out, uh, more so going out. But if you want to stick around and join us for that, and then we will do a little preview for the Lons game on Saturday. See you in a sec. Welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast. Probably the longest podcast has ever been recorded. We're currently at an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> this is going to be a nice long one. Nice long edit for you, Sam. Anyway, well, welcome back to part three with myself, Seb Parkinson, and Sam Hutchison in his lovely corduroy green shacket. Is that what it is? is oh, it I'd, I'd say shirt, but shirt jacket. Call it jacket. whatever you call it, whatever you fancy. Whatever I want. Bought it last week. It's nice. I like the color. It's very, very nice. Uh, nobody can see this, of course. It's just me. I'm. It could be bright pink, but I'm saying it's dark green. It's nice. Anyway, Manchester United. Well, as it stands. With the with the signing of Hoyland, of course, United will have spent 178 million pounds if all clauses are met by the end of of each of these players' tenures at Manchester United. It will be a total of 178 million pound between Mason Mount, Andre Onana, and Rasmus Hoyland. United were slated to have a transfer kit of between 120 to 150 million, which means that we should be expecting some players to be leaving Manchester United, but there are still holes in the Manchester United team where they need addressing. So United still need a goalkeeper, believe it or not. You said, well, I'm going to just bought Andre Onano. You don't need a goalkeeper. Yes, we do. Because and sold Nathan Bishop. Nathan Bishop's just gone to, where's he gone? Sunderland. Sunderland. <laughs> Another shout ding, ding, out. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Nathan Bishop's just gone, of course. Matej Kovar didn't go on the tour, so we don't know what's going on. Is he going? Oh, is he? He's probably going on loan. Obviously, Alanga's now left permanently, which is 
Pretty good You're money. You're talking about goalkeepers, Sam. Yeah, I know, but that's You're good money. You're jumping the gun. I am jumping You're the jumping gun. You're jumping the gun. Chill, chill, chill. Dean Henderson's still there. He's a goalkeeper. Dean Henderson's still there. Right, so now you're on the right. Oh, Dean yeah. Henderson's still there. So Dean Henderson wants out. Dean Henderson is obviously the, the the subject of a bid from Nottingham Forest, 30 million quid, believably. So you take that 30 million quid off 178, that brings you 148. So you're then underneath the um the hundred and fifty mil. And obviously, as 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 you've already you've already jumped the gun, Sam, but we got fifteen million for Elanga, yeah. which brings us down to one two five. Oh, well, it could well. be rising to um, 18. Right, so, so let's do that then. One, two, yeah. three. Yeah. Um, no, that's 120. 120. 120. No, that's 130. 122. 140 minus 18 is Where do you got 140 from? Because we're 178. Yeah, 30 million off, and then 18 off is 140. 178. 130. There we are. It's fine. <laughs> so what's that? 30, 48. Oh, yeah. No, 178. <laughs> 140. 130. 130. Yeah. <laughs> My maths is so bad. My maths is so bad. I'm just, I'm so embarrassing. Right. So that's 130. So that, yes. that brings United close to that 120 million pound yes. budget, sort of roughly 121, 150. But there you go. And McTominay to West Ham, yep. 30 million, 35 million. That's gone quiet, though. That has gone quiet. So we don't know what's going on there. Uh, at the moment, but we think that that's gone quiet for a reason. I've got, I've got my own thoughts, but go on, Sam. Uh, they don't want to be held for ransom because they've got hundred, what hundred and five rising to hundred and fifteen for Declan Rice. They don't want to spend that all on one defensive midfielder. They still need a defensive midfielder, though. That's a real. They need someone to try and replace Rice, even if it's not going to be. He's not going to be as good, but he might. Replace Rice. He's not the same player, though, is he? He's not. No, even, no. But like, that's the. But that's the thing. They don't. They want to throw the feelers out there. You know how much would McTominay cost if he is the right man? How much would whoever any any other defensive midfielder? I think they were interested in Polina, uh, Lavia from Southampton. They want to throw the feelers out and try and get the best bang for their buck, pretty much. So, so they what don't you're spend is that money's burning a hole in their pocket. Yes. Well, they need to spend it and they haven't got a defensive midfielder. That's the problem. I actually read a story yesterday that, that said despite winning the um, conference league, David Moyes should have been sacked. Nah, hot take, you know, but I don't I don't disagree with that. No. I, I I don't say I'm not gonna say he shouldn't have been sacked, but I, I don't disagree with the fact that he should, you know, he should have been sat because they weren't great. They had a good season the season before, and they're a bit average. But I think had they got knocked out of the Europe, the Conference League, you know, yeah, quarter final stage, yeah. you probably would have gone. Yeah. But anyway, so McTominay to West Ham, you think you think that that's it's gone cold. I can still see it happening. He is Premier League proven. That is probably his level. It's all going to happen. On it's day. probably in his prime now, McTominay. And is he really Manchester United quality? No. But I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be sad for him to stay. I like McTominay. He's he's a workhorse. United need like a Darren Fletcher. United need these workhorse midfielder. Darren Fletcher, Park G Sung, these sort of players who who come in and they work hard. Yeah. They're they're not the most talented footballer on the planet. Like your Michael Carrick was blessed I mean, with talent and skulls. Yeah. That's but, the thing. I, I said it in a video a couple of weeks ago, months ago now. I don't really remember. Um it'll be up on our YouTube channel anyway. Scott McTominay, he's not really found that role. Because he's not a defensive midfielder. He's, a rotation, he's not an out and out defensive midfielder. He's not a number eight. He's not really in anything. He doesn't play a set role for Scotland. We don't really know where his strongest position is. And maybe Man United can get the best out of this player that no one really understands, I think, is more the point. 
No, exactly. That's what I mean. West Ham, if he does go, might get the best out of him, but they're probably signing him as a defensive midfielder, so he'll be stuck as a number six for West Ham, at least for a season, because they're not going to go out and spy another one just to play him somewhere else. That's the, like, if, and then if he stays, Man United can get maybe the best out of him. If he leaves, West Ham could maybe get the best out of him. We just don't know what that best is. That's... Well, another player on the um, on the on the table for transfer is Fred. So the famous partnership of McTominay and Fred. What if both of them went to West Ham? How oh, mint would that be? McFred, McFred at West Ham, fifty million quid. They've still got a ton of money to spend. They've got two midfielders that are proven Premier League midfielders. You know, they're not they're proven that they're not good enough for Man United. But at West Ham, I don't know. They could they could do they could do a job there. Top, aiming for top ten every year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fred's twenty million quid to Fulham. That's that's another one that's gone quiet. But Fred was also linked to Lazio. And uh, the owner, I think it was the owner or the chairman, was 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 interested. But uh, Maurizio Sarri, the manager, told him, nah, "Don't do that." So, so Fred's at the moment stuck at Manchester United. Uh, Henderson, as you said, yeah. Forest, Forest, thirty million. That looks yeah. like it's 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 going to happen. But again, all these all these transfers, they 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 seem to go quiet. But I think they're going quiet because stuff's happening in the background. And you know, you might find it's it's deadline day. Henderson obviously wants to go. You know, with that interview that he did, we talked. I think it was Talk Sport at the beginning of the last season when he was very open about how he felt. And I think that that didn't sit well with Ten Hag having a player speak out like that. And you know, I think as Samuel said on the previous pod that. Henderson was almost going to Ajax under under Ten Hag, and now Henderson is being replaced by Eric Ten Hag by the former Ajax goalkeeper. It's just a, a bizarre the way football works is 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 bizarre, isn't it? But who else? Have you got anybody else on your radar? Any any trans- Amrabat obviously is Amrabat a- might be coming in, but obviously sales need to be made before Amrabat Amrabat can be brought in. Um, Palistri doesn't look like he'll be getting many minutes. I don't think it'll be a permanent really at this point of his career. But I don't think he'll get many minutes. He seems to have dropped behind Amadiallo. He's behind Anthony. Probably behind Sancho on that right wing. Realistically, you don't need four right wingers. Has he got a Sunderland? I think he'll probably go to Spain. He spent a season on loan at Alaves a couple of years ago. Who maybe that'll be sort of where he ends up. Sort of you're looking at your sort of relegation battle, Spanish sides. See if he can do a job. He's clearly got some talent. Man United wouldn't have signed him otherwise. So maybe getting him in them first team minutes, getting him an actual first team playing as a as a regular in a top league, maybe that's what he needs. You'll probably see a loan fee for that. Something you're looking at a couple of million for a loan fee for a season, season and a half, half season, whatever it is. I think it would be in everyone's best interest for Palistri to go before the end of the transfer window. I'm at Diallo. Remains to be seen if he'll really stay in Eric Ten Hag. So yeah. it's like he's missed out preseason in, in yeah. a way. I so. think we'll probably see him at least once this weekend against Lens or against Athletic Club. Athletic is it? Bilbao, yeah. yeah. In uh, in Dublin. Dublin, that's the one. Dublin. I'm Irish. here to pick you up. So yeah, I'm you here are. to save you. When you fall, I'll catch you. Exactly. And so we'll, we'll. I think we'll see him this weekend. We'll see if he's in Eric Ten Hag's sort of thinking for the season. If not, a loan fee or even a permanent fee if someone's willing to offer it down the Premier League. I think he's probably from sort of 10th to 15th level in the Prem. If, do if Sheffield United, it? Crystal Palace lose, Crystal Palace lose Elise, which is the rumour. They've lost Zaha, haven't they? Yeah. If they lose Elise to City or PSG, which is the two rumours flying around at the minute. Well, yeah, exactly. 
Um, Ahmed Diallo wouldn't do a bad job. Left-footed, right-winger. Palestri. No, this is Ahmed Diallo. What, Palistri- are you talking about him going yeah, on yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All oh, right, sorry. And then uh, if Palestri goes... I think Palistri will end up in Spain. I think Ahmed probably... You reckon Ahmed's going on loan again? It depends if he's part of Ten Hag's first, thing, first team thinking. Because if he's not, there's no point in keeping him. Have a, have, a, have a recall clause in January if you want. I don't think there is really any point in having these players kicking around that aren't going to start. I mean, Anthony's 185 million, rising to 100. You've got to start him. He's got to be first name on the team sheet, really, hasn't it? on the right. I think he'll have a better season than he did last season. He wasn't awful last season. Here and there, hit and miss. Some games he was an eight, some games he was a four, so... My favourite Anthony moment was when he did that little turn in the, and then Ten Hag hooked him yeah. or didn't play him for the next game and it was like, no, no, that wasn't the reason. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, 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 right. Let's move on uh, to the, the preview. Go so, United are playing Lens, the second French team they're going to play on the pre-season tour. Don't know what the reference is, why United are playing French teams. I don't know whether, they're, are they touring England? Not sure. Lens had a good season. Yeah. Yeah, very good season. Who's the team that's owned by Jim Ratcliffe? Nice. Nice. Oh, God. I thought, I, I thought I'd found it then. I thought I'd found the reason. So United playing Lens. Anyway, uh, United started the season, last season, against Brighton. And United obviously played two friendlies back-to-back. Um, one in Scotland, was it? Or was it Norway? What, last it was, season? Yeah, uh, they played one in... It would have been Norway. They weren't too far probably. away. The two two hotspots for all and then Manchester they United in, fans. Yeah, then they played one in uh, Old Trafford, of course. But United's first game of last season, I'm just going to read you the squad or the uh, the starting eleven for that team. So that was David De Gea, gone. Luke Shaw, Lissandro Martinez, Maguire, won't be starting. Dallo, won't be starting. Wan-Bissaka. McTominay, going. Fred, going. Bruno Fernandes. Sancho Eriksson. Ericsson played, Ericsson played as a false nine. nine, didn't he? And then Rashford on the left. So looking at that squad now, looking at who United have brought in, you expect that to be Onana? Mm-hmm. I'm going for the first... I'm going, yeah, yeah, go I, on. I actually think this will be who we play against Lens as well, because I think that they'll play the team that's going to start the Premier League. I think that's who we'll play. I think it'll be hit. hit. I think it'll be six, six it'll or be, one, five of the other. Yeah, it'll be ten, ten changes at half-time, but I think the first half... Oh, right. Dear, I think it'll be six, getting 90 minutes of the first team, and then five... Just below on that on that step below, so players like Ahmad Diallo, and then because it's Saturday and Sunday, and then on Sunday, I think we'll see the other ones of the first team who didn't play with some more rotation. Well, I think we'll see the closest to the starting eleven because against Real Madrid, yeah. that was what two players. He off probably being... he probably does want to know his starting eleven. Yeah, I think Highland will be unveiled, on. and I think he'll yeah. I think he'll come off the bench. I don't think he'll start, but I'm looking at um, Onana in goal. Shaw, Martinez, Varane, Wan-Bissaka. And then you've got Mount and... I'd have said Mainu, but obviously he's injured. So Mount and Fernandez in the midfield. Rashford and Sancho either side. And then... Uh, I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm you've even... missed Casemiro in midfield. Casa- yeah, sorry. Casemiro, Mount and Fernandez yeah. in the middle. Sancho, Rashford either side of and then who we putting up front well it'll probably be Sancho false nine you reckon and then Anthony and then, on the right and then Anthony on the right see I, it's just I don't like that I don't I don't like that because I don't want I don't want Sancho for me is a, is a winger he's not a forward I'd rather put Rashford up front but Rashford's made it clear he wants to play on the left he's he's obviously had a chat with Ten Hag and said I want to play on the left yeah. and that's why Rashford wasn't put through the middle but 
your back four sealed, signed, sealed, and delivered. Shaw, Martinez, Varane, Wambisaka. Wambisaka's the weak point of that. Uh, that. I mean, it's the only point of contention, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Dallow'd had a really good start to the season last season. So, so them two at left, you know, I don't mind uh, right back. Sorry, I don't mind sort of seeing a bit of chopping and changing. But Wambisaka is the better defender of the two. Dallow may be the better attacker of the Wan-Bissaka two. Wambisaka lets Shaw get forward a lot more as well. Yeah, Wambisaka could drop into being more of a free. The back in in yeah. attack, and then Shaw can get up that right wing, uh, up that left wing. Sorry, and then you look at your midfield. So you start in midfield for the season. Your, your strongest eleven is going to be Bruno Mount and Casemiro, isn't it? So there's your three. So you've got your back. You've got your back seven. Mm-hmm. So then you need your front three now. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a big, the big point of contention, isn't it? So so we expect it's going to be Hoyland at some point. Yeah, Hoyland up front, Rashford, Rashford left, on the left, Sancho on the right. And I think it'll be Anthony on the right, in all honesty. So you don't think, no, no, but for the whole season, you yeah, don't yeah. think it's going to be? I don't think it'll be Sancho. I think Sancho, be... I think Sancho can play all three. So if someone's then dropping so he's out, your, he's your utility he'd be man. a utility man in attack. I think then the pressure's off him as well. So then on the bench, who did United have on the bench? Ronaldo. <laughs> Malassi Ronaldo didn't go on the tour though did he no. so that's you sort of you look at it with context and you go well that'll be why Malassi Varane Heaton Wan-Bissaka Van der Beek Alanga Garner Garnacho oh Garnacho stop forgetting about him Garnacho really. but, but his best position is left wing if, so if they put Rashford up front Rashford, yeah if Rashford goes up front start Garnacho but Rashford says he wants to play on the left yeah I mean what do you think against Lens who do you think is going to play I think it'll be a stronger side against Lens than it will the following day against the Athletic Club. So I think probably, yeah, as you said, uh, Onana, Shaw, Martinez, Varane, Wambasaka, Casemiro, Mount, Fernandez, Rashford, Sancho was the false nine, and then Anthony on the right, like you said. I do think Sancho was that false nine, especially if Hoyland's not going to come in and start straight away. If he's not announced by then, he's not going to start. He's not going to be announced as, oh yeah, his name's on the team sheet. That would be fantastic to see. Oh, Hoyland's suddenly in the team. It would be fantastic for all the fans there, especially. He might be on the bench. Yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to to put my hat on this. He ain't starting. He ain't starting. He might start on Sunday. Yeah. And he might play the second half and then he might play the first half. I'm not even sure he'll make the bench. I think he'll be rocking up in his jeans and his trainers. It'll be in a suit or whatever with a United scarf walking onto the pitch like Varane did. And then he won't, either, like I say, he might play, he might come on for a cameo at the end of the second half or whatever. But then that leaves a question as to, so United's second string, as you said, so you're going to see some. so, So looking at the team that played against Dortmund. Dallow, Maguire, Lindelof, Brandon Williams, Ericsson. So we sort of didn't talk about Ericsson in that in that starting team. That makes us think that we both see Ericsson as your back rotation up. player. So yeah. you back up to who though? Fernandez, Fernandez, both of them. Both right, okay. And then we had Palestri on the left, who you think might be on his way. Donny van der Beek, who who's again is one of them players. He's he's a bit of an enigma. He came in. He's he's played under Ten Hag, so there is hope there. But then he got that that broken leg. It I seems think it like was. it seems like well. Tenor played a very similar system when he was at Ajax and it was Frinke de Jong, uh, uh, Lassus Schoen and Donny van der Beek in his midfield and Frinke de Jong played as the deep, the pivot and then Lassus Schoen and Donny van der Beek played as the two, sort of what Mount and Fernandes are expected to do this season and is Donny van der Beek ever going to compete with Mount and Fernandes for that role? Not really. Is he even going to jump above Ericsson as that backup? Maybe. I mean, Ericsson's getting on a bit now. 
Donovan van der Beek's not really had an uninterrupted season. He's not really had an uninterrupted run of games. Maybe he plays there. I think Ericsson and Donovan van der Beek can both play that same sort of role as Fernandes and Mount, if a little bit worse. Well, you've got Sabitzer who's left. Obviously, United had Sabitzer on loan. He played a fair few games. Obviously, Ericsson got that injury. Andy Carroll went through the back of him when he probably shouldn't have been playing anyway. Um, so that 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 means that Donny van der Beek, if Ericsson is not going to be as as substantial as you know as he as he was in his prime at Spurs, then Donny van der Beek may get some more opportunities. And you might find that Donny van der Beek, if he's good enough, overtakes Ericsson as that rotation or backup player. But I think. Ten Hag's got a lot of work to do to mould this play because you got to think his mentality will be completely shot because of, you know, he started to get a couple of good games and he went to Everton. Didn't you forget that Donny van der Beek went to Everton. Went to Everton, got injured. Got, really got injured, nearly got relegated with him um, and then came back. But he started in that number 10 role against uh, against Dortmund and then United replaced pretty much the whole team. And so you had, uh, I'm just looking at who came on that we, so Johnny Evans came on, Joe Hugo came on. There's a chance that Joe Hugo could be given a nod to start yeah. on uh, on Saturday yeah. because what what that would mean is then Ten Hag's got all of his players in the right position apart from that number nine. So that number nine could be rather than playing a player out of position for the sake of doing that, you could say, well, I'll put Joe Hugo in and he can be he can be the 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 the, the replacement for for Hoyland or for Martial, if, if, know, I mean, Martial, yeah, that's what I'm. But yeah, what if Martial turns up? But as as Stephen Railston said on one of the podcasts, what United fans do not want to see is against Wolves on that opening game of the season, Anthony Martial's name on that starting eleven, unless there is a, a reason for it that Hoyland needs bedding in or whatever. So, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. But um, what what's your what's your score prediction? What do you think? I mean, it's not really that important, is it? But there's going to be fifty, sixty, seventy thousand people there. We're on a bit of a show, don't we? Six two, two nil, <laughs> two nil. Lens two are nil. all right. They have just lost their best player, but who have they lost? Uh, Seco Fofana has gone to Alnesia to play with Ronaldo. Has it? There you go. A bit of a, a bit of information there. Uh, that's where. What's his face gone? Tellers has gone, hasn't it? Yeah, Tellers. Eric Bailly, like, is he on his way out? He was supposed Probably, to be gone, but who's going to pay? Team? Injured all the time. God, United injuries. What is it? I mean, Marseille. He was on loan at Marseille last season. Had an option to buy, didn't take it. So that's probably his French league out, gone. Lens might take him. Yeah, you're looking might at yeah, back oh, on plane. Yeah, play him at centre half at Lens and just use it as a scouting point. <laughs> yeah. Look how good our player is, Lens. Do you want him? You can have him for free. We'll pay you to take him. It's actually we were talking off air before about the fact that United paid nearly two million pounds for Dubravka on loan from from the the, the great best two million pounds they've spent because that meant he couldn't play in the uh Carling yeah, Cup final. Exactly. Carling Cup. It's not been the Carling Cup since about 2008. <laughs> no, it must be. It's Carabao Cup now. Carabao Cup. Was it? The, what was it? The Milk Cup. Was that it what was it was the used Milk to be? Cup? Yeah. And then the Worthington Cup. I think my first ever game that I went to to Old Trafford was the Worthington Cup. Man United. I think it was against Berry. I think they won two 0 in like the 96 minute. It was Solskjaer and I want to say Sheringham scored, but that's probably my, my memory's probably. Uh, Leave. No, I don't think it was. It was maybe like Ben Thornley or something. I can't remember. Long, long time ago. It was about 99. In fact, that was the 98-99 season it was. That was my first ever game and it was it was right at the beginning of the 98-99 season. And there's a picture of me. Um, it, it, I, I look like a silhouette because obviously it was one of those wind-up yeah, yeah. cameras, you know, and my dad didn't put the flash on it. So there's me stood there with my night shirt on with uh, just, I'm just a black silhouette. Black silhouette in front of the, the picture. Yeah. So anyway, Sam, it's been a delightful sitting with you for this hour and a half bumper Manchester is Red midweek Man United off script podcast. Listeners have made it this far. Drop us a follow on Twitter. 
<laughs> yeah, if you made it this far, I owe you a grand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you made it this tweet far, me. I'm very surprised. But if you have made it this far, yeah. the only people that will tweet me to say Seb, you owe me a grand is people who've made it this far. So let's see how many tweets we get. <laughs> By the way, I'm not paying you a grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put that disclaimer in there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we will be back hopefully next week if we've not been cancelled again. Yeah. Sam, uh, Sam's going to go away and edit this podcast now. This should be live at about six pm UK time. And tomorrow we should have, I could be wrong, but but, we but should have correct me. The main line, Manchester is red. Samuel and Ty have just flown back from the United States of America. And they've had a bit of time, bit of time off to reflect. And you know, the jet lag, honestly, the jet lag's a killer. When I came back from LA, just by the way, I went to LA, Sam. Did you? Just in case Did you I've not mentioned any boxing it. Whilst you were there? Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I never mentioned it. The jet lag absolutely crucified me. The worst thing about it was I came back and I flew into Heathrow. So not only did I have to get off at Heathrow, get all my bags, and Heathrow's huge, by the way. Yeah. I had to then get out of Heathrow. I had to get on a train to Paddington, the, the Heathrow Express. Then I had to get from Paddington to Euston. Then I had to get a train from Euston back to Manchester, and then I had to get from Manchester back to my house. So it probably took me as long to get back from Heathrow to my house as it took from flying to, yeah, <laughs> from probably, yeah. to, uh, to uh, back to London, yeah. Um, but anyway yeah the guys will be back on Friday we've then got a pod on Monday which we're hopefully going to do in the green screen studio which is the other room so you should see that for the first time it'll be a two man pod as Samuel Ty and I think Stephen might be might be around for that they'll be going two of them at least are going to uh, to Dublin to cover the game on Sunday and we'll obviously have coverage of the Lens game me and Sam are going to be there so if you are going to be at Old Trafford come and say hello if you see us and uh, yeah Follow us on socials, follow our YouTube, follow... Our YouTube's gone massive, by the way, recently. We did a 10-hour presser, and it did like 100K, nearly 100K views. So, yeah, give us a follow on there, give us a sub, and we'll see you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reels. I think we might have a Threads account. I'm not sure if that's taken off. Uh, we're not on Twitter anymore, because we're on X. Yeah, we're on X. X.com. X.com. X marks the spot. Anyway, Sam, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, and I will see you next week. <laughs>